0: alexa play the fighting irish faithful podcast playing fighting irish faithful you're listening to the fighting irish faithful show where it's playoff time and who cares if Notre Dame got in with one loss? Tonight, we're going to recap Notre Dame's ACC title game, and we're going to argue why Notre Dame deserves to be in the playoffs, going to put that one to rest, and can Notre Dame rally after such a loss to Clemson as they go into playing the Rose Bowl versus Alabama. So let's get straight into it, everyone. Pour yourself a drink. Let's go, Irish. Three wide receiver they're gonna go for two back to throw waltz looks looks look has the time lost the ball the pass is batted it down it's right it on by zero Dawson close open receiver in the end zone touchdown notre dame somehow the Irish did it out of the pack 30 35 goodbye baby at the 50 the 40 the 30 the 20 the 10 fire fire rocket touchdown irish be looking for a block Touch to the right to the 40. Gets a block. Gets to the 45. 50. Up to the 45. 40. 30. One man to beat. 20. 15. 10. He's down to the 5. Touchdown, Irish! What's going on? Fighting Irish faithful. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 22, the recap of Notre Dame's ACC championship game versus Clemson. Unfortunately, the Irish fall to the Tigers in what was going to be a pretty tough challenge for them. Uh, Welcome to the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Faithful underscore Irish, YouTube channel Fighting Irish Faithful, or Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining me tonight. We've had a couple of days here to decompress... Uh, didn't come up too fast with a podcast, didn't want to get the bends. It was it was pretty much uh, a therapy session was required um, after the game. Uh, lots of, of that going on. I partially blame myself, everyone. Um, I uh, am never going to buy a Shackleton Scotch and try to use a Scotch Explorer to do uh, Personify or as a metaphor to Notre Dame and their challenge. So I, that one's on me, and I should have uh, bought the Glenlivet instead. So I take full responsibility for my actions. It will never happen again uh, tonight. We are not drinking scotch. Uh, no, it's not a New Year's resolution happening right now. Um, I was actually ill during the game um, Saturday afternoon. I don't know if it was nerves for the game, uh, anxiety. Uh, the christmas season and work stress all compounding uh, but i was ill had a headache had body aches um the chills literally uh i don't think i have covid yeah i did not have any alcohol at all during the game so maybe that's another reason why uh usually and i had i had picked up some good beer some good german beer uh it's still in the back of the fridge but it's not gonna get touched for a little while until i shake this bug so anyway Let's stop talking about my health and let's uh, get into this. So quite frankly, the game started off quite decently for Notre Dame. Their first drive, they get the ball right away, which I was okay with. If you go back to last week's podcast, I said Notre Dame needed to start it fast. And so them getting the kickoff first, being the first to go on offense, would play into the overall strategy. And the Irish go 11 plays, 46 yards, and chew up almost 7 minutes of clock time. It ultimately results in a Jonathan Door 51-yard field goal. It would have been nice if that was 7 points, but a few um, incomplete passes and tackles for loss, some good defensive stops by Clemson forced the Irish to kick a field goal. On Clemson's first offensive possession, they marched down the field, 46 yards, in about 3 minutes until kyle hamilton intercepts the ball he runs it back 14 yards which is ironic because that's his number it's also my favorite football number Um, and the irish get the ball again right away on our second possession we get down into the red zone uh again just some failed attempts and we have to settle for another field goal unfortunately this one we miss from 24 yards out, and this is becoming a very irritating theme here with Jonathan Doerr, missing field goals within 30 yards. It's it's quite upsetting. He can hit the long bomb, but it gets closer. Somehow that gets harder. I'm not really sure about that. I'm not a kicker, so I don't know about all that sort of thing, but uh, maybe it's some sort of aim small, miss small kind of thing. But the Irish end up, after those possessions being three Points to zero for Clemson, where really it could have been fourteen to zero at the beginning of the first quarter. How differently would this game have been if that was the case? But then right after that, Clemson in three plays goes eighty yards and scores on an Amari Rogers uh, touchdown. Definitely not what we want. Now the following possession, Notre Dame's third possession, we're making progress, we're getting down the field, and it's fourth and three. I think we called a beautiful play and Avery Davis gets the ball thrown to him by Ian Book and it's right on his hands and he drops it and it was just heartbreaking and I don't think the team ever recovered after that. Um, It just went downhill. The two biggest things that I can put on this game are our faults in the red zone and the explosive quarter for Clemson. First the red zone stalls Notre Dame, before the game, was ranked 81st in red zone scoring and 77th in red zone touchdown percentage. And it only got worse um, after this last game. Um, so that's, the, I think, the biggest problem that Notre Dame has is they are not scoring in the red zone and they're leaving points out on the board. In Brian Kelly's post-game press conference, that's something he said, was that we cannot leave points on the board. And well, quite frankly, that's what's happening. They're, they're off the board. They're still out there on the field. There's nothing you can do about it now. The game's over. Next is in the second quarter, Clemson scores 17 points to our 0 And uh, it's absolutely horrendous. And if you go to last week's podcast, I said that in all of these New Year's Six Bowl games that Notre Dame has played, the Alabama game, Ohio State, Clemson of 2018, all of those three games, the opponent had one quarter that was explosive. It was either the first or the second, and Notre Dame didn't score a single point. And that's exactly what happened this past Saturday. It was atrocious. And how different would this game have been if Notre Dame was up 14-0, to but then Clemson comes and scores their 17 points? It's still just a three-point game going in at halftime. You know, there's something you can work with. When you're down, you know, by that score going into halftime, it's got to be one hell of a speech. And we know Kelly is not prone to giving the best uh, motivational speeches. I just don't think it's in his nature. I think that's more of a Davo Sweeney kind of thing. Next thing that did not go well for the Irish was rushing. Um, This is pretty much flipped from the first meeting between Notre Dame and Clemson earlier this season. In their first meeting at Notre Dame... Notre Dame had 209 rushing yards to Clemson's 34. Saturday, Notre Dame had 44. Clemson had 219. So totally flipped there. Um, I'm not really sure what happened. Clemson just certainly had more juju going on. I do know that we allowed Lawrence to have 90 yards rushing. So that, I'm sure, plays into it. And Ian Book had minus 35 yards, so that certainly is not helping our rushing total he was frantic running around in the pocket didn't know what was going on it seemed his receivers just could not get open our receivers seemed to just be running straight into their defensive backs or they were dropping so many guys in coverage um, and we're looking at third and long there's not much you can do Um, but hey it is what it is when it was thirty-one to three going into the fourth quarter, Clemson ended up settling for a field goal. But it was about that time, and right before Chris Tyree gets his touchdown. But right before that, Clemson almost went up thirty-eight to three, which would have been tied if that's how the game ended. That would have been tied for the worst defeat ever by Brian Kelly. That game is in two thousand fourteen to USC where Notre Dame lost by 35 points. This game easily could have gone to that level of hell. Fortunately, that did not happen. One thing I found very strange is as Notre Dame is getting their ass whipped on national television, how Brian Kelly is just, it just seems he's just standing on the sidelines. He's got his hands in his pockets. He's got his hands crossed around his chest. And he's not, it doesn't look like he's interacting with his players. It doesn't look like he's Interacting with the other coaches on the sidelines, he's not on the sidelines with a with a whiteboard, you know, going over scheme and talking to his guys, you know, not engaging with them. He's just standing there like he's like a statue. I don't I don't get it. I mean, Dabo Sweeney is at least yelling at the refs and and crying that he's not getting his way. But at least he's interacting with his guys. And maybe Kelly is, just the cameras just showing him in those situations. But it wouldn't surprise me if Kelly is not being more engaging with the the team. And maybe that's part of the problem here. I don't know. But in his press conference, Kelly kept referring to the team as not being consistent. That seems like kind of a scripted word to me. I'm not really sure what he's getting at you know if he's just referring to our rushing not being consistent or our play calling being consistent or clearly our execution was not to the levels we're used to seeing this season but at least he took acknowledgement that they let the second quarter get away from them and he did instead of looking very inward. He was he's always very outward and he's praising the other team all the time, like, oh well they're so great. And he was praising Clemson and rightfully so. Clemson did play better. Their players executed and they did they were the better team that day. But he doesn't really talk about what they need to do better, Notre Dame. He's saying, Oh well Clemson's just so great. And it's like, how do you learn from that? Like just pointing to your opponent and saying, They're so great and we're He's just silent on that. So who knows? Watching Notre Dame try to tackle Trevor Lawrence, for me, was one of the more frustrating parts of this game. Lawrence just has all the time in the world back there. And when the coverage finally breaks down, we are either mistackling or he is just half a step ahead of our guys. Maybe it's because he's so tall and lanky and he's 6'5 and got really long hair. But he he is just outside the reach of of our guys, it seems all the time. And we struggle to bring him down. Uh, I think we only got like two sacks on him, um, which is just not enough for someone who ends up running for 90 yards and throwing for a boatload of touchdowns. So it's almost like if you ever have a dream or you have a nightmare where you're trying to run away from someone um, and like they get you. But in this case, you're actually the one trying to chase something or you're trying to go somewhere and you just can't get there you have that dream that's what this game was we just can't reach trevor lawrence he's just out of reach we just can't bring him down it's it's quite frustrating this game compared to the other new year's six losses and yes i'm lumping this game into a new year's six loss why because it's a big game it's for a trophy Right. Yeah, it's an ACC title trophy. It's not a Rose Bowl. It's not a national championship crystal football, but this game means something, and it does have weight, and unfortunately, the outcome of this game, Notre Dame losing by 24 points, is very close to the average, 23.7 for the three other games that Notre Dame lost, 2012, 2015, and 2018. Most of these stats are very consistent. There's really nothing that jumps out. You know, our rushing yards were atrocious. We averaged 1.5 rushing yards. Clemson averaged 8.1 a carry. Um, Surprisingly, our run to pass percentage was not overwhelmingly pass which usually happens in this game it was actually still at 51 percent and our only touchdown was a rushing touchdown thank you Chris Tyree Ian Book actually had a better completion percentage than Trevor Lawrence at 71 percent and we had zero turnovers which is kind of amazing so I don't know if it's silver lining it certainly doesn't help with the scoreboard but get a load of this Notre Dame's third down percentage was 25 percent is really bad but we won the time of possession. So some things are consistent, some are not, but here's the biggest thing. Yards per point on average, our opponent in these games has a yards per point average of 13.47. Clemson was 15.91. Now, if you go to the stats before the game, Clemson was averaging 10.96. So holding them to 15 point, whatever. Hey, we're doing something right but here's the problem compare that to what notre dame's yards per point ratio was in this game it was 26.3 it's more than double what notre dame averages for the year completely horrendous completely atrocious it's absolutely garbage they cannot do that again especially as they get into playing alabama one thing though that's very frustrating And the doc made this comment while watching the game with me. She turns to me and says, why does this keep happening to Notre Dame? They fail to execute in these big stage away games. And I'm paraphrasing her there, but that's essentially the gist she's getting at. And I turned to her and I said, I have absolutely no idea. It seems that this happens every season. Last year, it was the Michigan game in 2017. It was at Miami Uh, 2016. The entire season was a grease fire. All right. But you know, all these games and this is unfortunately becoming the norm. Now, maybe the silver lining is okay. Notre Dame crapped a bed in the ACC championship game. And now they're going to go to the playoffs and, and be a totally different team. I hope so. Uh, I want that. I really hope in my heart that happens. But, yeah, I wouldn't go start uh, placing any bets on Notre Dame anytime soon. But we're not going to talk about Notre Dame and Alabama a whole lot tonight. Uh, We'll save that for next week. It wasn't just the doc who had these comments about Notre Dame shitting the bed. Twitter was a complete grease fire during the game and after the game. You've got people going back and forth. Some people saying other people are negative. Other people just venting. Some people are saying fire Kelly. And, and we're not going to do that kind of uh, exercise uh, tonight, but I will say this, Twitter is, is simply a barometer of what people are feeling at that time in a limited number of characters. And quite frankly, if someone thinks Kelly should be fired, they're entitled to their opinion. If someone thinks that someone else is being too negative, they're entitled to that opinion too. But don't start criticizing someone just because they have an opinion on Twitter and that Most of these people, if not all of them, who I interact and observe and follow and whatnot, we are all hoping for the same thing. We want success for this program, success for the players, and we want us to win. It's one thing if we lose and we lose a close game, but that is not what happens in these big games. And I think that is the frustrating thing. We've seen this script before. We've seen this happen before. And quite frankly, people are alert to this. They see it happening and they're fed up with it and I don't blame them. I sympathize with that opinion and I too have made similar uh, fact-based tweets about the low performance and consistent low performance in such big games. Anyway, Notre Dame still makes the playoffs at 10 wins and one loss for the season and the committee thought that was okay and quite frankly... They are 100% correct. Uh, First number one is Alabama, then two Clemson, three Ohio State, and four Notre Dame. Now, two of these teams have a 100% win percentage, whereas Clemson and Notre Dame are both at 90.9%. Now, what's interesting is strength of schedule. Alabama is the best. Their strength of schedule is sixth. Clemson is 56th, Ohio State 37, and Notre Dame 54. The next team that probably could have made it but was left out in the cold was Texas A&M, a team that's eight wins and one loss for the season. They've only played nine games. I think what this is showing is a couple of things. The biggest thing I think the committee is trying to avoid is having the playoffs be a rematch or a replay of games that has already happened certainly if it happens in the final game at the end of the year just like it was when Alabama and Georgia played for the title a few years ago but that's a completely unique situation Um, I don't think the committee wants to set up the first round of the playoffs where you have those replay games the next is actually based on numbers Uh, the strength of schedule of Texas A&M though better than Notre Dame's Some of these values for some of these stats I'm about to share you are in Notre Dame's favor over Texas A&M. What I did was look at the offensive stats and the defensive stats that I've been talking about all season, total touchdowns, scoring offense, rushing defense, rushing touchdowns, third down defense, etc. And I added up all of the offensive scores and then also the the defensive scores it's no surprise Alabama is the best offensive team with 127 points. How did I give them 127 points? Well, they're first in total touchdowns, second in scoring offense, first in rushing touchdowns, so on and so forth. So just adding up the offensive stuff, that's one plus two plus one, and so on and so forth. And they end up with 127. I also looked at every team that was admitted into a new year's six bowl so that's north carolina oklahoma cincinnati florida texas a&m ohio iowa state georgia and oregon so after alabama is north carolina then clemson with 237 oklahoma with 279 cincinnati 304 florida 308 texas a&m 363 iowa state 368 Ohio State, 374, Notre Dame, 379, Georgia, 466, and Oregon, 543. Unfortunately, Notre Dame is second to last in all of the offensive score points. Now, here's where it gets interesting is the defensive side of the ball. Clemson is best with a score of 90 for defense. Then Cincinnati at 177. Then Notre Dame, 205. Third best defensive score out of the whole country then Oklahoma 289, Texas A&M 339, Iowa State with the exact same score, Ohio State 350, Alabama 357, Georgia 425, North Carolina 489, Florida 587, Oregon 708. Oregon is clearly the imposter. So total score, you add up the defensive scores and the offensive score. Clemson, Ends up being number one with 327 points. Then Cincinnati with 481. Then Alabama, 484. Oklahoma, 568. And then Notre Dame, 584. Next is North Carolina with 636. Then Texas A&M, 702. Jump back down to Ohio State. They're at 724 then Georgia, Florida, and Oregon. So if you actually go on merit of actual points based on offensive and defensive stats and where each of these teams ranks relative to everyone else, it sort of normalizes their performance. Now, granted, strength of schedule has something to do with this, but strength of schedule aside, Texas A&M has a strength of schedule of 14 but their points are 702. Notre Dame is over 100 points better at 584. Plus, they've played more games, and they defeated the number one team in the country at one point. Now, granted, some of their players were out. Lawrence was in there. It was a home game, yada, yada, yada. Okay, I get it. But let's look at my favorite stat. Yards per point. It's no surprise Alabama is leading 10.94. Then Clemson, Oklahoma... Cincinnati then Florida Ohio State Georgia Oregon then Notre Dame at 12.93 North Carolina Iowa State and Texas A&M is at the bottom of yards per points of all these teams at 13.79 so based off of all this the actual values of the numbers Texas A&M is putting up versus Notre Dame they do not deserve to be in the playoffs if they had jumped over Notre Dame, Notre Dame would probably be at fifth or sixth, Texas A&M at fourth, um, but then Texas A&M would have played Alabama again, and I don't think the committee wants to do that. Have that first round of the playoffs just be another SEC game? They don't want that. That being said, uh, they're out, and I think you could actually make a better argument for why Cincinnati should be in the playoffs versus these other teams. They're 100 percent; they have not lost a game. Their yards per point average is better than Notre Dame. Their scoring margin is also really good. They're beating teams on average by 23 points. Alabama is, of course, at the top of that list, beating teams by over 30 points. Oregon is at the bottom at 6.4, and Texas A&M, 10.6. You're fighting Irish right now, their average margin of victory is 16.6, so not too shabby. So that is why Notre Dame deserves to be in the playoffs, not Texas AM. Also, let's not kid ourselves here college football is a little bit of a conspiracy, a little bit of some a cigar and brandy kind of talk that always goes on in the background. We don't really know what goes on with this secret uh, committee that meets. Um, in strange uh, locations, but the committee is definitely, they're doing what they think is best for college football. And also what's going to bring in the most TV viewers, because quite frankly, there's going to be no one at these games um, due to the COVID thing. And where are they going to get the good ratings? They're not stupid. They know that Notre Dame will draw in all the silly Notre Dame fans that are going to watch their Irish play. And if they bring the Irish in, um, it'll be a high, high ranking viewership and there'll be more money to make versus Alabama and Texas A&M. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. All right. That is what happens in these games. I'm sure that also factored in. I know no one wants to hear that, but that's also truth. Sometimes the truth really hurts. But anyway, uh, this week, I don't have a, a glass of scotch to toast to him, but uh, the toast, metaphorically, as I hold up my water here, this week goes to Jeremiah owusu He is the award winner of the Buckkiss Award for best linebacker in the country. Congratulations to you, sir. Um, he has 11 tackles for loss this season, 38 solo tackles, 56 total tackles. He's actually tied with Kyle Hamilton, the total tackles. But one interception and one fumble return for a touchdown. I guess they're they're calling that uh, that strip of Etienne in the uh, the Clemson came for a touchdown, a, uh, a a fumble return. So good on him. Uh, a definite leader of the team. Um, someone who I think game in and game out we can rely on. A true leader and someone who is taking ownership of the team. In his post game press conference, he flat out said that as a team, we didn't execute. He even put some plays upon himself where he himself did not execute. This is someone who is not making excuses, someone that is not shying from responsibility, someone who is embracing leadership, and someone who leads by example. So um, he's also just a complete monster out on the field. I love it. So the toast to you, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Then Ian Book, in his press conference after the game, he uh, talked a lot about how he just wants to go in and watch film, talk with Coach Tommy Reese, um, and how the team wants to play again. They're going to embrace this loss and learn from it and then move on. And um, I think that's a very positive and the best outlook we can ask from these players um, it doesn't look like they're packing it in. It looks like they want to learn from this. They want to get back to work. Which brings us to my last point of the, the day. Can Notre Dame rally from this? Can this loss fuel Notre Dame as they go into the playoffs? Bulls started today. I think the first one was the Appalachia State game or something. But can Notre Dame rally from this? Can they look in themselves in the mirror Remember this feeling of how it felt to lose by 24 points on the national stage, and can they overcome this? Right now, Alabama's favored by 19 and a half points. It's completely ridiculous. And there's some good reason for that. Alabama is a very good team. We're not gonna talk about Alabama versus Notre Dame. We'll do that next week as we get ready for the new year. But I hope that Notre Dame, as a team, As a group of players, young men can come together, recognize their faults, recognize where they need to work on, and improve on that. That is my hope. That is the only thing we can do other than believe in yourself and just have pride as players representing the Golden Blue that's all i got for you guys this week enjoy your christmas coming up in four days really hoping everyone has a wonderful christmas holiday with your family or virtually with your family everyone stay safe out there and remember that though this game did hurt it is kind of nice that we don't have to wait an entire month for notre dame to go into the playoffs usually our last game is after thanksgiving Can you think back to Thanksgiving? That was so long ago. We would still be waiting another 10 days for Notre Dame to make the playoffs. So it's really nice. We don't have to wait very long for Notre Dame to play again. Um, I hope the team can rest up and still be fresh and hungry when they play against the Crimson Tide. Take care, everyone. Feliz Navidad and have a very, very, Merry Christmas.